Would you like to find out how to align your life with God's best? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More to Be and host of this podcast. And I believe that the more we seek God and study his word, the more he'll transform us to become like Jesus and equip us to impact this world of kingdom hope. That's what a life aligned with his best looks like. And that's our mission here at More to Be, to become more like Jesus. This episode is sponsored by More to Be Sisterhood. You can join the sisterhood at academy.moretobe.com and get access to a library of biblically-based resources and coaching opportunities. On today's episode, I am joined by Meredith Boggs. She is the writer behind the Other Half blog and podcast, which you can find at meredithboggs.com. She is known for sharing transparently and teaching authentically about the real half of life that doesn't make the social media highlight real, which will be an interesting conversation for us to have together considering I'm on a social media fast. So welcome to the podcast, Meredith. We are so glad to have you. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah. So I was thinking one of the first places we can start with this conversation is just have you, um, have you tell us about yourself? Like, how did you get to this point in life and what is the context of your life right now? Like introduce us to your world. I, um, so I'm Meredith. I'm a born and raised Nashville girl. Um, I still live here currently with my husband and our dog, and we are expecting a little boy in March of 2021. So we are excited. It's our first. So our house is getting transformed right now. We're getting a nursery, getting all the baby things set up. And, um, so yeah, so that's congratulations. It. Thanks. I, um, like Lisa mentioned, I am a writer and speaker. I started the other half blog about five years ago. Um, and it was really kind of it, during that season of life, my husband and I were living overseas. We were working for a nonprofit organization that provides medical and surgical care for orphan children. Um, we both have a background in healthcare. And so we were, over there and working just crazy long days and long weeks. The kids were sick and, um, it was hard in that it was hard in that season to build community to being across the world entirely and not having a ton of margin time. And then keeping up with friends and family back home was really difficult because there was a 14 hour time difference. And so we were trying to Skype and text and keep up with people, um, at all hours of the night. And, um, that was really kind of when any, any margin time I did have, I just spent it writing and I'd had a blog through college. Um, it was an old Tumblr blog, so you can still find it out there somewhere. Um, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to kind of relaunch this, really do this. And, um, the heart behind the other half was, I just, I felt like there was this other half of life that we were not talking about on social media, especially because. I think in the last several years, social media has evolved and it's become very curated. It used to be the kind of thing that you would just post a picture that was not filtered, that was not edited. Um, and you, it would just be a picture of what was going on in your life or whatever you were doing. And it shifted to a place that it just became really curated. Um, and that's what, that's what our feeds were saturated with. And that's what we were consuming anytime we clicked open our apps. And it was, it was kind of becoming this place where you were like, am I the only one whose life does not look perfect all the time or whose home is a wreck or who, you know, is exhausted at the end of the day and doesn't look perfect all the time. And so the other half blog was exposing that other half of life that doesn't make the highlight real. It's the, 
it's the personal professional failures. It's the struggles in your marriage. It's navigating, you know, your spiritual life and the struggles that you have, um, wrestling with God about your faith, about trust, about anything like that. And so that's really kind of how the other half started. And then I added the addition of the podcast a couple years back. Um, and the podcast piece I actually do with my husband, Justin, mm. and, um, we're both Enneagram people. So we talk about the Enneagram a lot on there. So if that's, if that's what you're interested in, you can find a lot of that kind of content on there, but that was kind of, that was kind of the inception of the other half and really the heart behind it. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there talking about the highlight reel and Mm -hmm. the challenge of being in social media and social media influencer and a writer and speaker and all that now, mm-hmm. and yet writing about what's not on the high, highlight reel and, and the meat of stuff. So what was some of the struggle and the hardships that you have been through when you were overseas and what brought you back here and what, it, what it's like for you now? Yeah. I, so I think, um, so when we moved abroad, we'd been married for just under two years. So um, you know, not in the honeymoon phase still, but definitely, um, definitely still young in our marriage. And it was, it was kind of one of those things that, you know, you have conflict and like you work things out. We had dated for six years. So it was not anything. It wasn't like we were learning these crazy things about each other. And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like now that I'm married, I know this about you, but I mean, as a wife, I'll just, I'll just own what I did. I just was, I was just a terrible wife. I just was like, (sighs) I got to a place that life was stressful and it was, you know, little things start to just really get under your skin. Mm -hmm. I just nitpicked and nagged and I was just being the worst wife there was. I I just was not being kind and compassionate and empathetic and I wasn't being patient. And so, and a lot of that was like, and uh, you know, a lot of it too, you know, I tell people it's not that my frustrations were not legitimate. They were but the way that I responded to them was not appropriate. Mm-hmm. It was not helpful. It was not conducive. It was not kind. And so, and I, I just remember feeling like over there, like, I know that I'm not the only one that really gets frustrated with their husband about this. And I know that I'm not the only one. And so I started writing about it and sharing about it. And people were like, first of all, yes, me too. And second of all, thank you for saying that. I'm really shocked that you would be so honest and transparent about it. Uh, but it makes me feel a lot less alone in my mm. own relationships. Um, so marriage was a huge piece of that, just kind of chronicling what, what we were going through, what we were learning. Um, and then also during that year, um, I had, I have struggled with depression on and off. And that was something that it was kind of like all the telltale signs. It was like, being overworked, working in, you know, it was orphan kids that were really sick. And so, you know, not a lot of community around, not a lot of support system. Um, and then making the decision to move back home was really hard because we thought that we would be there for a lot longer than we were. We were there for a year. And, um, and so, yeah, so part of, you know, part Mm -hmm. of that too was chronicling like, Hey, this is walking through depression. And especially as a, as a Christian too, I think sometimes Mm -hmm. mental health, we have a hard time, bridging that gap of like, where, you know, where does God play a role? Where does medicine play a role? Where does therapy play a role? And so, um, yeah, so a lot of that too, I think really resonated with people that were reading and listening of like, oh my gosh, me too. And I've either like felt really isolated by the Mm -hmm. church, or I just haven't known, you know, how as a believer to navigate something like that, um, getting the help that I need while also still really trusting and believing in, yeah, God and his healing power and 
Um, so yeah, so those are a couple of the big things that I would say, um, really kind of were, were points of like, yeah, here it is. And, um, and, you know, I think too, the more that we, especially on social media, the more that we're transparent, um, and authentic, the more that it invites other people to do it. And I, I'm so thankful because I do think that there's been a shift in the last couple of years. Cause I think people got real tired of seeing these curated feeds all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was like, everyone knows that that's not, it's not real. It's maybe, I mean, it's real 10% mm-hmm. of the time, but there's another half of your life. And so I am thankful to see that there's been a shift, um, towards, I think some more authentic content out there and yeah. people just, yeah, just being more transparent about struggles and, and everyday life. That's right. Not- glamorous but I can't imagine what it would have been like so Stephen and I are married we're going on 24 years of marriage oh my yeah and I don't know if I've ever shared this story before but at seven years like I know I've shared it with people but I don't know if I've ever shared it on the podcast we were married about seven years and uh, we had this experience that he had the chance to go away to Disney World for uh-huh. a trip for work and I went with him uh-huh. and it was like day two of what should have been this like incredibly romantic time away and we're going out to dinner and we get on one of the local buses to take us from one hotel to the other and we couldn't find what stop to get off at <laughs> and we we spent like an hour and a half oh no not being able to find the restaurant and it was this like epitome of the tension of mm-hmm. I wanting my husband to lead, but I was like the natural born leader and the dominant one in the relationship. And, and I mean, our marriage was a a just total hot mess at that point. I was a hot mess. It was before my therapy. (laughs) It was, it was, you know, it was bad. I remember on that bus saying, when we get home, I'm going to divorce Steven. (laughs) This is over. And we already, we already had children. So seven years in, we had the girls, we hadn't yet had the I don't think the twins were born yet. Boy, that's terrible. I can't figure that out. Yeah, the twins weren't born yet. Um, and and I was just like, that's it. It's like over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Steven still to this day, he's like, I had no idea. Like, he was like <laughs> totally not in the same place as me. Oh my we get home from this weekend and his mom had come for a visit or maybe she had been there staying with the girls mm-hmm. all becomes fuzzy, which is scary at this age. So it's already fuzzy. And, and she handed me this book and she said, you know, uh, Mary told me to give this to you. Now, Mary was one of her best friends who was also uh, the wife of her pastor mm-hmm. and um, a good bit younger than my mother-in-law, but a good bit older than me, like an mm-hmm. age spread. Uh And it was by Dr. Laura Schlesinger and it's called Uh the proper care and feeding of husbands. (laughs) That is a great title. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I, I, I was like, oh, I was so mad. Like you can only imagine your mother-in-law hands you this book. right? (laughs) So I started reading that book and I saw myself in the pages. And basically what Dr. Laura points out is um, this very dysfunctional relationship mm-hmm. where the wife is the nagger, the yep. complainer, the controller, the demoralizing woman. Plays every the role of the mom a lot of times and uh-huh. falls into the role of the child. And yeah, 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 absolutely terrible. And uh, I could see um, a lot of what I was doing, I had learned mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the breakdown of my own parents' marriage. Yeah. And, and you know, it takes two, but. Yeah. I could see my role yeah. in that. Yeah. And I, I went into like just a sorrowful state of like mm-hmm. repentance before the Lord and saying, yeah. I need to change. Yeah. 
Um, and at the same time, uh, somebody had introduced us to Love and Respect by Dr. Mm -hmm. Emerson Ingrack. I was just thinking of that book when you were talking about uh -huh. this. It's so funny. It's great. Yeah. So we didn't know anybody that was doing it. I bought the video series. That's how I date myself. Like there were videos. <laughs> there was, you couldn't download anything at that time. And um, we spent that entire summer basically watching a bit of the videos at a time mm -hmm. and God saved our marriage that summer, like hands down, totally changed our way of relating. And it took, if it took seven years to get that to that point, it took nearly seven years to recover from it. Yeah. yeah. Where I could say, you know, at year 14, we finally were at a place of joy and connection yeah. in a healthy way. And that also was layered with me actually getting into therapy at that point mm -hmm. and dealing with yeah. my issues um, coming from just an abusive, dysfunctional mm -hmm. home. And, I, you know, so I, I started by saying, I don't know what I would have done if you could write about it. Like the, I only started blogging 15 years ago. Uh -huh. So I don't even know, maybe it was 16 actually, because the twins will be 16 this, this Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, it's a hard thing to be vulnerable. Yeah. And yet it's a necessary thing to be vulnerable that way, because like you're saying, you're not alone and I wasn't alone, but I thought I was alone. Right. Yeah. You think you're the only wife that acts this way. You think your marriage is the only one that's like this. You look around yeah. people and you're like, oh, they're so happy or they get along so well, or they mm -hmm. don't, you know, they don't have the same frustrations. And, and kind of like you said, like it is, there's, you know, there's two people in it. Um, but it's so, I mean, we found this so much, it's so much easier to just pick up the magnifying glass and look at the other and highlight mm -hmm. all the things that they're doing, that they're contributing to. And it's not that it's, you know, I think that was the hardest part even too, when I started going to therapy specifically for our relationship, that it's like, you know, it was things like his ADD, I mean, he would like forget, he forget to do this, forget to do that. And it was like, you know, there was so much validating from my therapist of like, that is okay to be frustrated. Like mm -hmm. any normal person is going to be frustrated, but we need to work on your response to it, your response. And like yes. the process that happens when he forgets to do something or when he, you know, drops this ball, that's, that's where the problem is. And it's so easy to hold the magnifying glass up to your spouse, yeah. and pick apart all the things that are wrong with them. And it's not that it's not legitimate or frustrating, but it's like the real work starts kind of like you said, when you start going to therapy, you pick up the mirror and reflect it back on yourself and mm -hmm. go, Hey, what's my part in it? Because I think that's, that's the most hopeful and the most maddening thing at the end of the day, that the only person that you can control is yourself. You can only control your thoughts, yeah. and your behaviors and your actions. And so it's like, stop, stop spinning your wheels, wasting all that energy and just turn, turn the, you know, hold the mirror yeah. yourself and start doing that work. But yeah. 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 We talk about that. Uh, I'm in, I'm in um, trauma focused equine therapy oh, training, wow. working with horses. Yeah. And uh, when you say you can only control yourself, that is something that we use in like the therapy model mm -hmm. of boundary setting. Yeah. And the same thing applies with like wanting somebody to change, but realizing that the only one we have responsibility to change is ourselves. And so, you know, it's interesting because we often say we need to set a boundary or if they just, how many times a day do we yes. say if they just, if they right? Just, yes. Right. Yeah. But if you picture that in the context of a horse that you are leading on a lead, you know, on a, a line and they have a halter on 
And if that horse is in your space, in the old horsemanship kind of way, you get bigger, you throw your arm up, you try to get that horse to back off, which is the same thing we do as wives or moms or friends. We get louder. Yes. We get more aggressive. Yeah. We get more like nagging, right? Mm -hmm. But the problem is, what is the engagement that we get back? And oftentimes, that engagement isn't what we're actually looking for. Right. It's, yeah. it's, and um, one expression we use is aggression begets aggression. Yes. Right. So more conflict, more anxiety, more shutdown. Yeah. Because aggression can come off as um, bigger and louder or mm -hmm. shut down and withdrawn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Whatever. So, so what we teach is saying instead of like throwing that arm up with the horse, mm -hmm. actually step to the horse's side and ask for detachment. Love that. I'll right. Love and that. so it works because, because horses move away from pressure. Mm -hmm. And in particular, a trained horse knows that you know, pressure on the side means movement away from that. So if you want the horse to go right, you put pressure on their left side, they move away from it. So in relationship, the, the one thing you have the ability to control is yourself. You get to decide where you're going to move in proximity to that frustration or that individual. Yes. And it's, it's, I think of it as the grown up timeout. Yes. Like, like, okay, this is frustrating me. I am taking a breath. I am moving to the side and we're yeah. going to, call this a moment and it's hard <laughs> oh gosh yeah yeah we can sit here and talk about it all day but when it's in the moment it is so hard to do that because you just get so blinded by like your perspective and what uh -huh. you know what's going on in the situation but you know and I'm sure you know this too from your training but it's like there's so much about our brains that when we get to that space, we are not functioning in our frontal lobe, which is exactly our highest capacity for reasoning and logic. We're functioning back here in like the most primal place of our brain. That's like, yes, just like lit up with red, like freaking out. And so we cannot, but it's also, and so it's the time that more than anything, like you said, we need that adult time. Uh -huh. I don't need to just move to the side, but it's also really hard to actually do that in the moment, I know. but it's necessary. It's what we have to. I have a funny story of how this happened yesterday. I can't believe I'm going to record this. I might cut oh. this out, but, <laughs> but, um, so we're in the middle of like a house renovation and mm -hmm. it's been going for four months and, you know, normal fatigue and like done. Right. Yep. And my back has been out so that on top of it, like, you know, yeah, you just start adding the things All on and you're like, yeah, no. Yep. Um, and I was having a, a, a clear moment yesterday and mm -hmm. kind of lost it. Mm -hmm. on a, two of my children and my husband <laughs> was present for it. Oh, and so then after I start, I lost it in them, then I started losing it on him. And he, he says, I'm noticing a pattern here <laughs> about this time last month, you were about this aggressive oh and, and he had permission to say it because it's something we've been talking about, like how to navigate the hormones at this yeah. stage in my life. Yeah. And what, you know, I'm looking for natural things to do and all sorts of stuff. And he pulled a time out and he said, I am not having this conversation. And he got up and went to the other room. I was so mad. I got madder. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, so no. I, I took my madness upstairs to see what, you know, two of these children are doing. And I opened the door and three of the kids are having a little powwow about us having a spat. Now, these are 15 year olds and the 21 year olds. 
who's editing this podcast right now is probably thinking, oh, mom. And um, she, I'm like, what is going on here? She goes, well, we can't do our homework and concentrate with you two acting like a bunch of two-year-olds. And I was like, what? And they're like laughing at me. And I was like, I I just walked away and I went to the bedroom and I did my stretches that Uh I needed to do anyways, because my back was hurting. Uh And, and the Lord brought me into that time out of like, settle thy soul, you crazy woman. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Do you really want this to be what the day looks like? Is is this really where you want to take it all? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, I know one of the verses you sent our way was about, you know, we find God's mercies new every morning. Yeah. And, and, I, you know, that was, it was at four o'clock in the afternoon and I needed his mercy. Yeah. Right. At yeah. that moment, whatever it was that got me to that place, rational or irrational to get out of that place. Yeah. Required a boundary, a pull yeah. away. Yeah. And a mercy yeah. from the Lord. Yeah. I love that too. Cause I feel like in the world of like therapy and spirituality, it's hard. It's sometimes hard, especially if you're coming from one or the other worlds to kind mm-hmm. of marry those two. But when you are able to do that, like you said, you can combine a timeout with a mercy that's new. And I think it's a really beautiful way that Jesus meets us exactly where we are. And also a really practical way, because I think sometimes the spiritual piece of it can feel so like, up here and kind of abstract. And it's like, I, I desire that I want that, but what does that look like in, in like an afternoon when I'm losing it on my kids or my husband? And it's like, and that's, and that's, I think the beauty too, that therapy and that work brings to it is it gives you those tangible things like take a time out. And then the Lord meets you right there in that time out with his mercies that are new. So yeah. Yeah. We have to become, this is what I've become an advocate for really um, identifying where we hold it in our body. Yes. Right. So if I would have checked in with myself an hour earlier, Uh you know, hindsight is wonderful. Go back an hour earlier. (laughs) I was tired. Mm -hmm. I was, my back was already hurting. I was uh, bent on the to-do list rather than, than the rest that my body was saying it needed. And I was not, not, not only was I not permitting myself to rest, I wasn't paying attention to those around me who also needed it. Yeah. And I was expecting them to perform at my level. Mm-hmm. And because they weren't, I was mad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so there's all sorts of levels of issues that we need <laughs> to deal with. Yeah. None of which would ever make it on my highlight reel. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, why are you going to talk about all these things? Because like you said, it's like often the things that, you know, the expectations or the level of performance that you're holding others to, it's just a reflection of what you're holding yourself to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, you're not getting the rest you need, which is, you know, what your body's needing. And so, you know, it's like no one else around me is going to rest if I'm not going to. And, and you're right. That's the very stuff that it's like, that's so much a part of the everyday, I think everyday struggles that we face and every day of like, how do I, you know, how do I walk in godliness and holiness and how do I continue to grow personally and relationally, um, but that doesn't get put on the highlight reel because it's not, it's often really untidy and it's kind of mm. icky and it's just very messy. And so it's like how, yeah, people don't talk about that. And it's also, no. yeah, it's just no. not tied up neat, nicely, neatly. And yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think with social media, what it comes down to is you can't take a photograph of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. 
Yes. What am I going to do in the middle of my spat? Take a picture of my <laughs> husband and, and children laying in the middle of our unfinished living room floor. Like, oh, hang on a second. Let me <laughs> capture this so I can make sure that I'm truly authentic on Instagram today. Right. Yeah. Like now, maybe if I was uber creative an hour later, I would have been able to go back with the, the <laughs> camera and get the sun coming in and capturing yes. the yes. newly finished wood floor and, and write up this whole story about you yes. know what actually happened. But yeah. that's not where my priorities are at this stage of my life. So that's, it, yeah. that's not, that's not life. Yeah. That's not real life. So yeah. Yeah. yeah so you don't yeah. do it. So it's a challenge, right? To figure yeah. out how to um, be honest and authentic mm-hmm. and be present mm-hmm. with the people we're doing life with. Yeah. Okay. Yet engage in online ministry. How, so how do you follow, how do you find the balance there? Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard too, because I think all of us, well, I'll say this year too, I think 2020 threw, threw everyone for a loop that we were not expecting in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I think a lot of us try to be mindful and conscientious of the time that we're spending on our social channels. And in a lot of ways, 2020 is, we've just said like, you know what, to heck with screen time, we're just going to be on it. Cause I mean, what else are you going to do for days and weeks on end when you're in your house? But then at the same time, and, you know, thank goodness that we live in the digital age because, you know, zoom has allowed businesses to continue operating. FaceTime's allowed us to, you know, be with our small, our church, small groups and, you know, see family and catch up with them. So, you know, thank goodness for that. But then at the same time, it's like, we've spent even more time on social media than we normally do. And it, if we're not careful, it can provide this really counterfeit feeling of connection. Um, And I think the counterfeit piece comes a lot from, you know, you like, look at your highlights, you look at your Mm -hmm. stories and my sisters, I I'm like the chief offender of doing this with them. We're all really close and they all live here in Nashville, but I'll go, I'll go weeks without talking to them. And it's because oh I've watched their stories. I know what they're up to. And then the next time we see each other, it's like, I, you know, find myself, I'm like, wait, what do I ask you about? Like how's work? But I like have seen what you've been up to on social media. And so I've tried to be really good about, um, you know, if I'm going to be on social media, asking people like, Hey, tell me about this. I saw that. And because that's the counterfeit connection that it's like, you think that, you know, what's going on in people's lives because you've seen it. But then when you think about it, it's like, wait, I only really saw 10% of your life. And that's the, all the highlight real moments that I saw. Um, Mm. I think, I mean, practically, I think so. So I'll say this, I kind of have my, my general like social media boundaries that I set, um, which, which seems strange too. Cause kind of, you know, you understand it's like when you're in the blogging and the podcast world, there's an element that social media is, it's gotta be there and, and it's a, it's a necessary part. Um, but I really tried to delineate the times of like, okay, I'm going to use this for work. And then this is going to be my personal time. Um, and really when it comes to my personal time, um, I, you know, just coming to it with a, with a, a cognizance and an awareness of, you know, my time spent on there and not falling into that mindless scroll that 30 mm-hmm. minutes later, you're like, oh my gosh, I was supposed to do this or that, or now you're running out the door cause you lost track of time. Um, and just, yeah, just sitting down and, and being mindful of it. Um, and then, you know, I even implemented several practices and, you know, it's been a while now, but at night 
when my husband gets home from work, I leave my phone in the kitchen or, um, one of the other ones that I do is, and you'll get this old school, um, you know, back in the day when, you know, before, before even cordless phones were a thing, when you literally, if you needed to talk to someone on the phone, you went and stood there next to the wall uh -huh. and, talked to them. and yeah. so I'll even do that with my cell phone at a certain point of the day, it goes next to my bed on the charger. And if I need it for the rest of the day, if I need to respond to a text message, make a phone call, I can do anything I want to on my phone, but I have to stand right there and it doesn't leave its connection to the wall. Yeah. And, so, and so it really does it yeah. me limit any kind of like mindless scrolling or extra time on social media that, you know, I could spend talking to my neighbor or that I could spend with my husband. And I, you know, I'm, I know so many people, this has been the story of their 2020 because you have spent so much mm -hmm. time at your house, but you find yourself sitting on the couch, you know, watching football, watching whatever, and you're in a room with your husband and your kids and your family, but you're all on your devices. And yeah. so you just spent an entire night together, but nobody's corresponded with each other. No one's had any conversation. Mm -hmm. And then you go to bed and you wake up and you, and you don't feel super connected to these people. And it's like, yeah because we're not, because we're connected to our phones and to our apps. And, um, and so that's been another one for me too. And even when we're with friends or family of just, I'll leave my phone in my purse by the door, the ringer will be on. If somebody needs me, they can reach me. But in the meantime, I don't need to be on Facebook or Instagram or checking my email or any of that stuff. Um, and it's, it's a simple habit to break, but it is so much harder than, than, you know, we think it is because mm -hmm. it's something that we're so conditioned to. So so good. Completely ties into things that I'm living and that, you know, we, we've done that podcast episode with Wendy Speak on her 40-day social media fast. So I think today is day 16 for me. And, and first off, I've gained back time. So mm -hmm. I've gotten back about two to three hours a week. It's crazy. My, it's crazy. 11%, 13% decrease on, on screen time last week. It's crazy. Like that? On, here's a woman who's always saying, I need more time. Well, oh, yeah. hello. Yes. Right. So that's mindless scrolling time that yeah. I have saved. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. You said about standing with the phone at one point, the twins were in trouble. And I, I said, if you're using your screens, you're going to stand in the middle of the kitchen. That's the way that's going to go. I love that. Right. Cause I wanted them to be aware of yes. the annoyance of standing for as long as they normally yes. would use it. So that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, something else, like a really practical two tools that we did not mention in the social media podcast. One is rescue time, which mm -hmm. you can install on your computer mm -hmm. and like multiple devices. So every device you could ins install rescue time on, mm -hmm. which will give you feedback on where you've been and what you've done. Mm -hmm. So some people are like, well, I'm just going to like track it on the, on the iPhone app, Yeah, but you can get away with what you're doing on your desktop or your laptop or your iPad, yep. right? Um, and another app I came across that I just started using is called Moment, M-O-M-E-N-T. Mm -hmm. And it actually has been today, it's been a big um, screen day for me so far. Mm -hmm. Just there's people I've been in communication with through Facebook Messenger. Mm -hmm. And it's told me, oh, you've done an hour of screen time already today. Yeah. And you're like, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't have an hour to just give away what, <laughs> yeah. what, what am I doing? And so becoming aware is so, so very important. Oh, and, yeah. and also you, you were saying about your sister, same thing with my sister. So when I went 
onto the social media fast, she was the first person I texted and I said, can you please send me the pictures you normally post online? Yeah. yeah. Because what, what I realized is I do look for that to be able to stay like stay up to date. See my niece and nephew are little. I want to be able to yeah. see their pictures, but I don't, do I ask how they're doing or do I just assume that smiley photos means all's good? Yeah. Yeah. I was just right. talking to, um, I'm in a little writing mastermind group and we meet every other week. And one of the girls, she's been off social media for all of 2020. And she was like, you know, I'm getting to a point. I'm so thankful that I've been off of it, but she was like, there are some people that I want to follow. Um, not like friends, not close friends, but kind of influencer people that are in her field of work. And she was like, they post great content and they, but they only post it on Instagram. They don't post it on Facebook. And so, um, so her compromise, she was like, I'm going to use Instagram on my desktop. And so, you know, she was like yeah. so mindlessly scrolling. And then another one of the girls, she, um, she's due with her first baby in January and just decided for the month of November and December with the holiday, she was just going to mm. take a social media hiatus and just be present with friends and family. And she had a baby shower, um, last weekend. And she said that she said, you know, I didn't ever realize that this was going to be a thing, but she said, I've talked to so many family members, aunts and cousins mm. and friends out of town that texted me and just said, I'm so sorry. I couldn't make it. I'd love to see pictures. And so she said, so I'm sending them all these pictures of the baby shower that I would have normally posted on social media. She said, but you know, on social media, you just tap through and you maybe like, maybe comment if you're really crazy. But she was like, I've had whole conversations with people oh. via text or they've called and we've caught up. And so she was like, that was a huge eye-opening moment for me that she's like, especially with cousins and aunts that are in my family, people that I don't normally talk to. Yeah. It just made me realize how much social media really can give us that counterfeit sort of connection where we're, you know, mm. oh yeah, well, we know what's going on in their lives, but it's like, you haven't talked to each other yeah. for a you haven't yeah. seen each other since the last holiday gathering. And so, um, yeah. yeah. So I think that's a good expression, counterfeit connection, mm -hmm. because it, it is connection, but it's not the real thing. It's not the real thing. Yeah. There can be, I think there can be like, mm -hmm. I FaceTime with one of my dearest friends the other day, cause we literally can't see each other because yeah. of the COVID situation. Mm. And, and it was as real as real could get. Yeah. But that is a different sort of real than the scroll by. Yes. Oh, totally. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and yet um, I had the opportunity to go to a women's event at church was outdoor, like mm -hmm. around a fire and got to listen to two women share their testimonies. And mm -hmm. there was something that happened in my spirit, in my body that was like, it's been a long time since I've sat for an hour and listened to another woman tell her story. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm right? Attentive, undistracted, yep. engaged. And then afterwards they had us break up into small groups and answer some questions and really talk about like, how did that impact you? And what, what does this mean to your life? And I thought, I'm so connected with the more to be coaches. We have a monthly mastermind together and mm -hmm. we, we share highs and lows and we, you know, have our stuff in our Facebook group and it's not, um, it's more like, Hey, please pray for this. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, my father has COVID or something like that, but there's, there's a decent amount of vulnerability that's shared. And yet that kind of connection is not counterfeit, but it's not, it's not, um, I don't know what the word is for it. It's different than what I experienced in real life. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. 
And I think that's, I think that's very much a reality that we faced in 2020. And it's hard because we're still in the midst of this pandemic, which is raging. And so it's like Mm -hmm. the zoom fatigue is a real thing. I got to a point a couple of weeks ago that I, I just, I texted our small group and I was like, I'm sorry, I cannot do another zoom meeting today. I just, I can't do it. And I went to bed at eight o'clock that night instead of on for, for a zoom meeting. And like, I get it. People are worn out because, you know, and it's hard when that's your only way to connect and communicate with people, but you're right. We were created to be in community with one another. And that's, and part of that is being physically present. And so I think people have really felt that this year in 2020, especially with not being able to be physically present with other people. Um, and you know, kind of like you said, when you were FaceTiming, like you do get those little glimpses, those little moments that are Mm -hmm. such gifts, but then when you're with, you know, when you're with a group of women outside all social Mm -hmm. distance, there's something that just, lights up in your soul. And it's because that's what we were created for. We were not created to live in isolation, you know, living through our screens, communicating and constantly. Um, But yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. And it's been challenging for everyone this year. It's been absolutely challenging. So let's, let's bring this to the word. Yeah. And, um, and like, you know, give that, that solid word of hope. I know you had mentioned Lamentations 3. So if you want to set it up, what made you pick that passage. Yeah. So I'll read, yeah, I'll read Lamentations, um, three 22 through 25. Um, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul who seeks him. Mm. Um, this has been a verse for years that I just, um, it actually, I, I remember this a couple months back, but this was written on the whiteboard in my office in China. And it was written by the nurse that was there prior to me. Um, she had left and moved back to, um, the States, but this verse, and I just, I just left it up there the whole year. And so this was something that that year I really mm. meditated on every day, just cause it was right there in my office. And then since then, I mean, there's so many pieces to it. I think the tangibility of the sun's going to rise every morning, even in the midst of a world that is just in such political upheaval and in the midst of a pandemic that the steadfast love of the Lord Mm. comes to us every morning with his mercies that are new. And I think, you know, I think back to my own story with, you know, with marriage struggles, with depression, with, you know, um, with battling an eating disorder in high school and relapsing in college, I just look back and I see God's mercies that are new every morning, just covering, um, just covering us. And it's one of those things that it's like, praise him for it because we need those every day for the rest of our lives. Um, and then the part, I think the part that's really resonated with my soul this year is just that the Lord is my portion. And I think, um, this year has brought so much chaos and confusion and anxiety and really grounding yourself in a place of, you know, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness and that he is our portion forever and always. He's all that we need. Mm-hmm. And it's like w- this year when I've been able to kind of realign in moments of stress and anxiety and come back to the fact that the Lord is my portion, he is all I need and he will take care of us. That has been, it's been such a saving grace. Um, and, and the last part kind of, that sums it up that says the Lord is good to those who wait for him. Yeah to the soul that seeks him. And 
you know, I don't know for all the listeners out there, I don't know what kind of waiting they've been. I don't know what kind of holding pattern their lives yes. like, but you know, whether it's a holding pattern for a child, whether it's for a job for so many people that have been laid off mm-hmm. and they're still waiting, um, you know, it's like, nobody wants to be on unemployment. Like, you know, nobody wants to have to depend on that. People, people want to work. They don't want to be shut up at their homes for months on end, whatever it is that you're waiting, waiting for God for, um, he's good to those who wait for him, um, and who's, who continually seek him. And so waiting feels really terrible because it feels really unproductive and like nothing's happening. Um, but I think the richness of the blessing that he's good to those who wait for him and that that season of waiting, it's not just like twiddling your thumbs being like, okay, what's next. It's con it's a time to constantly be seeking him, um, in the word and in prayer. And it may not feel super productive, but that time is never, that time is never lost. It's never, it's never for not. So yeah. 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 I absolutely, you know, echo what you're saying. And even that, that very next verse, uh, 26, mm-hmm. it is good to wait quietly, yes. quietly for salvation from the Lord. And so I love that, um, that statement, wait quietly, because I think what it gives us is a question. Mm-hmm. Are we waiting? And if so, are we doing quietly? Are we, are we doing things that silence the noise so that we can hear from the Lord. Yes. Yeah. Or are we reaching for our phone when it's quiet and picking up and scrolling? Uh, We just need something to drown out the silence. Yeah, I know. And I am, you know, 15 days, 16 days into the social media fast. And every day I'm doing, I'm like a reflection of the day before uh, I am still looking for a substitute. I am looking for that. How can I be mindless right now? <laughs> yes. And, and I'm like, what the is this about? Why do I need to be mindless? Why can't I be quiet and present? Yeah. What about the silence is uncomfortable Yeah. and causes me to search for something. And mm-hmm. I was speaking with a therapist not long ago about how, when we live in a heightened state of vigilance and kind of have this constant cortisol response, yeah. like, We've come through, you know, yeah, we've had nine months of a pandemic at the point of us recording this, but prior to that, how many of us lived hurried lives and rushed and now we're out of the pandemic, shut down, going back into the shutdown. How many of us feel like we've got to catch up or get ahead Mm -hmm. and yet giving our bodies the chance to just say, oh, I'm going to rest. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust God. Yeah. Right. And there's, that was my conversation with the Lord this morning, because I'm I'm waiting on the answer to something that Mm -hmm. uh, I have no control over. Um, And one of my children is also waiting for that answer and it Mm -hmm. is painful for her. And I noticed, and I said this to the Lord, like, I want this to hurry up because I don't like being uncomfortable in her pain. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Please take care of this now because look, don't you see Lord? She's in pain and I'm uncomfortable by proxy because she's in pain. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. How many times do we then in those moments, take it into our own hands and try to resolve it. And the Lord was just, he was so kind. He kind of took me through a, a timeline of the waiting that's been very long and has shown like, look what I did in this moment and look what I did in this moment and look what I was doing here. 
And I was like, okay, so I might be waiting and wondering and feeling like I'm wandering, but Lord, you are busy working. Yeah. Yeah. He's working all things together perfectly in his timing. Yes. Um, yeah. And he just asks us to wait patiently and, and he'll meet us there in the quietness. Yeah. He's, he is there. It's just, yeah. are we going to get still enough and quiet enough to, to sense and feel and hear his voice? And yeah. Yeah. Man. Gosh, we've been all over the place. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Marriage, social media, conflict, waiting. (laughs) Right, right. But this is the this is the real deal of what people are struggling with, especially in this time of life. So um, would you tell everybody again where they can find you and be encouraged by your words? Yes. I am on Instagram at Meredith W. Boggs and then my um, website is MeredithWBoggs.com. From there, I'm linked on Facebook and uh, my podcast is there. So yeah, that's where awesome. You can awesome. And would you be willing to pray us out? Yes. I would love to nothing more than that. Okay. Lord, we thank you for another day that you've given us to be alive in this world. Um, and just are so thankful for, um, just the gift of what you did for us on the cross, making yourself accessible to us. Um, just forgiving all of our sins and making, um, making things right so that we could be in connection and communion with you. And I pray that, um, as we go forward with our day and these next few months, give us a, um, give us a cognizance and a consciousness as to how we are spending our time on social media and in connection with other people. I ask that you would, um, that you would, um, meet us in the moments that we are still, um, before you in the quiet moments that mm. we have before you. Um, and just that you would, you would help us to just wait patiently, um, in the times that our life feels like a holding pattern that we would wait well, and that we would mm. wait with expectation and with hope, um, and in silence to hear your voice and your prompting and your leading. So we love you and we thank you. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad Meredith that you were with us today. So thankful to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. And thank you everyone for listening to the more to be podcast. I pray you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word during your time with us today. If you're ready to take the next step in aligning your life with God's best, but not sure what that looks like, head over to more to slash align to take our quiz and find out. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.